Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for the Social Hour is brought to you by Cashfly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This is the Social Hour, Episode 8, with Amber MacArthur and Sarah Lane. Recorded Monday, May 16th, 2011. This episode of the Social Hour is brought to you by Squarespace.com, the fast and easy way to create a high-quality website or blog. For a free 14-day trial, go to squarespace.com slash social hour. Be sure to check out their annual plans for savings of up to 20% off. And by Netflix. Watch thousands of TV episodes and movies streamed to your PC, Mac, or TV instantly. Plus, get DVDs by mail in about one business day. For your free 30-day trial, go to netflix.com slash twit. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Social Hour. This is episode 8 in Petaluma, California. I'm Sarah Lane. And in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, I'm Amber MacArthur, and uh, it is good to be doing the show again, Sarah. And I have to say, uh, I'm pretty sure we have the right guest this week, unlike last week. So anybody who uh, <laughs> who wasn't able to watch our live uh, production last week may have missed completely, or at least not understood, how our, our discussion of how we got punked. Um, all the folks who were actually watching our live chat, and that is something to be said about watching the show live, is that you get to see all the mistakes all the yes. sort of behind the scenes issues is we we ended up interviewing someone who claimed to be the founder of a company that uh, we had tried to reach. Neither of us had met him before, so we didn't know what he looked like or sounded like. And he gave us an interview before the real founder wrote us, emailed us and said, what are you doing? That's not me. You are talking to some random person. Yeah, Never happened wanna- before. He went along with it for quite a while. I think you can uh, dig up uh, the um, uh, video of the live show somewhere online. But uh, our uh, our first guest, the uh, not real guy, uh, he actually answered all of our questions, although he was a little bit vague. So uh, I guess we should have known, Sarah. But uh, yes, we were punked on the social hour. Uh, but today we have uh, the CEO of Zobni, uh, Jeff Bonfort, on the show. And I have met him before. I have seen him face to face. And so I can verify that it is this him. Jeff is the real Jeff. Jen bon- Jeff Bonfort, welcome to the social hour. Hi. Good to have you here. Amber, you have been talking up Zobni, this uh this service called Zobni for weeks now. You're very yeah. excited about it. Um so I'm very excited to hear more from you Jeff about what Zobni is and why it has captured Amber's heart. Uh, well, there are a few ways to think about Zobni. From uh, most of the people that use things like mobile phones or email will know us. Um, we're the largest plugin for Outlook in the world, so more people will seven have installed our Outlook plugin. And we've recently launched a Gmail plugin in the beta and uh, just put our uh, Android product into private alpha, heading to beta soon, and iPhone product. Come. The basics are it, uh, it indexes your email figures out who everyone is, and then tells you more about that person based on both the information inside your inbox as well as information that we can collect from things like Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter and Zing and Salesforce and Chatter and Dropbox and Evernote. So um, I think it's it's a new, it's a different type of social network, basically. It's a, what we call an implicit network. It tells you who everyone is based on your experience with them as opposed to what they're saying on Twitter and what they're saying on Facebook. These are something we call explicit uh, social networks. So this one kind of acts in harmony with those. 
Well, Jeff, why did you come up with an idea like this? I mean, I, I know you're, I, I shouldn't say you didn't fa- found the company, you are the CEO right now, but what is the kind of story behind how Zobni came to be? Because for many yes. people, you know, email just kind of worked and they don't feel as though they need it more. But once you try something like the Zobni plugin, I, I mean, it just changes your whole inbox in a way that just makes it very social and uh, I think more productive in a lot of ways too. I appreciate that. It's sort of like really powerful caller ID for your inbox. Or another way to think about it is like a new type of address book that's, that knows absolutely everyone you know. So the basis for the idea uh, goes back to MIT. Our uh, founder, Adam Smith, was at MIT working on machine learning. And as he says that he wanted to do, uh, he wanted to be the Google of personal data. And what he found out was that as he tried to analyze how to search personal data, the single most powerful thing he could do in order to improve relevance was to understand the question, who? So before you did a search for a keyword like project coffee or whatever you might be working on, uh, the search results were sort of bad and that like, just like they are in almost all personal data search engines. But if you knew who, so if you, instead of treating the word Matt like a keyword, it tra- treated it like a person. Or if you type in Cisco, instead of treating it like a keyword, a or a company. And once you have that bias where relationships are the first heaviest weight to... Personal data search is actually uh, much more simple, much more powerful. So the, origin, uh, the original concept was to try to make sense of personal data with machine learning uh, at MIT. We learned that relationships were very valuable. And at the time those guys were starting, the founders, Zobni, I, was, I had just moved over from Yahoo. I ran uh, Yahoo Messenger for a few years, and then I ran uh, a group called Social Search at Yahoo. And social search is like delicious and answers and a few other things that we were working on to make um, search more social or more socially aware. And I met the guys from Zobni. I fell in love. I tried to acquire the company at Yahoo. And uh, when I was unsuccessful, I joined the company actually as the CEO. That was uh, just over three years ago. So, Jeff, when you look at Zobby's website, uh, which I'm doing right now, you definitely get a feel for it being great for enterprise. Um, obviously, you started um, with Outlook um uh obviously there's there's a um a blackberry uh plug as well app i guess and so my initial response was ah but i don't use outlook and i don't have a blackberry you know because i'm 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 not so much in that enterprise world but you have moved into the gmail world you said iphone and android also on the way how long did it take for zobni to figure out that you uh that you had to tackle um beyond the enterprise, beyond the, you know, sort of the Microsoft workforce? Yeah, you know, we actually, the reason we went after, there were two reasons that the guys hit Outlook initially. When I met them, I thought, how wonderful that 23-year-olds and 24-year-olds were attacking Outlook. Because Outlook sucks. It's like the worst possible uh, product. It's not because Microsoft's a bad company. It's just because it's such an old product that it's weighed down by all these things. And for being as bad as it is, it's the largest in the world for business. So it's bigger than CRM, Google search engine, Facebook, LinkedIn, all those guys combined. In of what people do in companies all day long is stare at Outlook. So in terms of the opportunity to make a little company uh, Outlook plugin in the world was a big achievement and has been important for the company. And we liked that we ran locally. So when we were client software, we got all the processor for free. And early on, Zobni, especially users that used us really early on, said, wow, the performance... We basically needed lots of resources to do what we do. Uh, but when we became confident that we could do that in the cloud and do it better in the cloud, uh, we started moving towards that. So with the BlackBerry, we did a little bit. 
but with Gmail, we basically moved 100% of our infrastructure to the cloud. Actually, the cloud system is both more efficient today and much more powerful than anything we've done on a client software. So almost all of our software, if it's doing anything locally, will move to the cloud over the next uh, few quarters. What I really love about it... Sorry, Jeff, I just got to uh, jump in for one second. Just uh, in terms of uh, the functionality of Zobni for people who are listening and haven't really seen the demo online, which is great to watch. Um, I'm just going to describe kind of how I use it and how it's relevant. And I'm curious if I'm missing anything, if there's additional things uh, that are helpful with the service. Uh, for example, uh, if I'm in my Gmail account and uh, someone emails me who hasn't emailed me in a really long time, it makes it very easy to go into the little sidebar within Zobni and find out the first time that I email with that individual I also love it because I can see that individual's picture. So I've never, if I've never met them face to face, it just puts everything into context. And the next time I see them or I meet them for the first time, I know what they look like. Um, so it's, it's helpful, I think, with business, just maintaining relationships too. Yep, that's a good point. So yeah, I'm long-winded. So you, it's better to cut me off when pot. When <laughs> no, no, no. I just, I, I have to stop talking because there's so many things I love about it. And I want people, oh, no. I, I, until you try it out, you don't see how beneficial it is. And it's hard to kind of explain it. Yeah, you know, I think two powerful features is that well, the average address book of our users today has about 500 people in it, but the average inbox actually has about uh, three to 5,000 people in it. So these, even if someone CCs you on a message that had been a long thread, Zobni actually absorbs every single person, builds a profile on them, and then ranks and pivots off them. So who was the first person to introduce you and all these things. So you're right, it collects all the links you've exchanged, all the files you've exchanged, all the conversations you've had, and it does it across accounts. So if you have an Outlook account and a Gmail account and a Yahoo Mail account, it actually looks at all, all of them. If you're in Gmail looking at someone, you'll see a conversation you had seven minutes ago with the person on Outlook. So it also has an intelligence system that will find the right person on the right social network. And a lot of people say, wow, isn't that a weird privacy thing? We actually use uh, all the APIs from the social networks as intended. So we have direct partnerships with Facebook, Twitter, Zing, LinkedIn, all of these guys. We're the largest API uh, user of LinkedIn. So we do everything above the above board. Everything's completely, we represent, uh, we're, we're using all their APIs exactly as the terms of service use them. So you can feel safe with Zobni. We use OAuth in almost all cases. We don't retain your passwords or do any of those things. So the system's quite powerful. You point out that uh, it's really great for people that you interact with frequently. I find it really interesting is people I've never met before. When I get an email from them from the first time, I'll see their title from LinkedIn. I'll see who else they know in my network. Um, and I'll see their photo and all these. I can even see their previous jobs from LinkedIn. So remember I said it's kind of like caller ID for your email. It's amazing because it knows thousands of people. It doesn't just know the people you interact with frequently. It's uh, in this way, address books really suck. Because address books you have to manually maintain. Zobni kind of maintains itself. I'm definitely uh, on the same page as Amber where I, I primarily use Gmail. I have a bunch of different accounts, though, and, and, and I access it a variety of different ways where, you know, usually I'm, if I'm trying to recall whether I've talked to somebody, you know, their name sounds familiar, I just start blindly searching. And sometimes I come up with what I'm looking for and sometimes I don't. It's probably important to know, we haven't even mentioned it, that Zobni is, is inbox spelled backwards. So it's kind of like, <laughs> I guess it's, uh, it's the... It's a turning, turning inbox on its head. I, I, I'm not like sure what exactly, Jeff, how, how exactly Zobni um, describes why you call yourself the backwards inbox. Because it's not really backwards. It's just more robust. Yeah, the, uh, the name came, I believe, from Paul Graham, 
Hosnader, uh, which is a really, it's a big um, seed angel investor in the Valley. And uh, the two founders were trying to come up with a name and he said, you, you turn the inbox on its ear, man, you just flip it around. And the name came from that. So the inbox is the greatest source of data for us, but obviously we're, we're now pushing outside the inbox. I'm looking here at uh, Zobni for Android, which it's really high glare. No one's ever seen before, but uh, All right. it's got, it's got um, 17,000 people that it's carrying around for me. This is across seven years of ER accounts. And uh, it's able to find everyone on their title, their industry, their company. I can type in their area code and see everyone I know in Atlanta in ranked order. It's, it's amazing. And I don't do anything to maintain it. It finds phone numbers for me, automatically extracts those out. It found for my uh, CTO, it found 38 email addresses. And it ranks each one of those email addresses in likelihood of importance using time decay, uh, frequency, response time, all these various pieces. Um, People that use our Outlook product and our Gmail product will be, uh, there's a really cool trick you can do to see how smart Zobni is. If you add, you know, Gmail has the ability to change your sent from address. I can send from my Zobni account. I can send from my personal Google Apps account. And as I change my sent from email address in our new auto suggest, when I type in the letter A, the results will be different if it's sending from a Zobni email address or sending from my personal email address. So it's actually ranking everyone based not only on uh, how important they are to me. It's also ranking them based on the likelihood of them being important on the account I'm using. And that's true as well. Jeff, last question from me and Amber, I'll let you, uh, I'll let, I'll let you finish up with your questions as well. But, you know, you mentioned that you have a good relationship with a variety of companies, um, through their API and Facebook being one of them. This whole idea of being able to access a variety of conversations in so many different contexts as we all do now online. I mean, a, a an email sent to one person and replied and then come back. I mean, that still happens, but there are so many uh, different ways that we're communicating with each other and it does get convoluted. You know, I know Mark Zuckerberg is a huge proponent of getting rid of the idea that email is the way that people uh, talk to each other. It's just one way that people talk to each other and really all conversations need to sort of be organized together in one kind of big pool of, yes, we're talking to each other. Um, does, does it, does, does what Facebook is doing kind of work in line with Zobni's, um, approach as well? Yeah. You know, complexity is the friend of Zobni because we have all these really smart algorithms that try to figure out what information you need and when, and the more various places you're talking to someone, the more you're sort of spreading out your conversations, whether it's Facebook or a quick DM with someone on Twitter, or they're, you're sending a lot of emails back and forth. We actually don't care where the conversations are going. We're happy to index all of that and bring it to you and show you one sort of unified look at that relationship with a person. So I would agree that people are distributing their communications across more channels. That sort of plays in line, particularly with a smaller startup. We, we have to exist in an ecosystem. So we have to work with Facebook and we have to work with LinkedIn and we have to work with Gmail and Outlook. Whereas if you're Facebook, you really want to obsess over Facebook. Or if you're Gmail, you really want to obsess over Android and Gmail. And if you're Yahoo, you get my point. The big guys tend to focus on their part of the communication channel and exploit that and keep you in those bounds. So we're happy for you to talk in all those various places. The one thing I will say is the concept of having total convergence where all your conversations come to one place is something that consumers have repeatedly rejected. Don't, uh, I worked at Yahoo and they really tried hard to make Yahoo Mail the one pl place where you checked all your email and got all your voicemails from your smail and your work voicemail and your private cell phone. 
consumers segment themselves naturally to different services based on what they want and expect. And so to bring it all together all at once can be quite noisy. So I actually think the world will be a little bit more messy than perhaps this vision that we sometimes hear from tech people. Uh, and I think it's partially because that's the way people like it. Um, but Zobni works really well in that environment. We, we, don't, we aren't the primary place you go to do anything. We're just kind of a personal assistant that's there to answer the question, who, uh, when it's appropriate. So we're, we're a private, we base ourselves on private data and we're a private tool. And almost all the services like Facebook and LinkedIn are public services where the conversations are held publicly. Uh, and that's why we're able to work with the social networks and they don't see us as a competitor. We don't do anything in public space. We're very much a private tool. So, Jeff, uh, the last question from me is, uh, how do people uh, get Zobni uh, no matter what platform they're on? Because I, I know once they try it, they'll absolutely love it. Yes. So, uh, well, if they're using Outlook, it's easy. Just go to the website, zobni.com. If they're using Gmail, um, you know, you can put in the media code. Uh, there's a place for a code that says you want to sign up for the alpha for G or the beta for Gmail. If you put in... Uh, TWIT right now. I'll make sure that our marketing people look at that and we'll let in three or four. All right. Awesome. Media code. You can put in uh, TWIT and we'll look for that today and let in three or 400 people today for the Gmail product. It's, we have, I think we have like north of 200,000 people waiting to get into that product right now. And we're letting in three to 5,000 people a day. Wow. Uh, and the Android product we're just put into a hands of a few hundred people. And we'll start rolling that out into the thousands over. Uh, we still know there's some improvements we want to make to the Android mm -hmm. product. And then the uh, iPhone product, as people that use iPhone know, it's a little bit hard on iPhone. It's harder for us to send out like, you know, a thousand copies of it. Apple, you submit it to the app or it's not. So we're doing a smaller alpha with the iPhone product, more friends and family. Uh, but we'll get that one out. It's a pretty good product. Right now, everyone's want to see a review of Zobni for Gmail, and they say, well, it doesn't do this or it doesn't do this. And I said, yeah, it's beta. Like, right. we, we're making yeah. so many improvements every week. It's, uh, don't give us a review yet. Just use it and see if you like it and tell us what you don't. We'll, we'll improve. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, thank you for making my inbox a happier place. Uh, we'll make sure that people try that uh, Twit code and can uh, test it out for themselves. So thanks a lot, Jeff, and good luck with everything. Cool. Thanks so much, Jeff. That's Jeff uh, Bonfort, CEO of Zobni.com. Now for, well, so, uh, for some of uh, the lucky folks uh, for Gmail, use that media code TWIT. We didn't even know he was going to do that. That was spontaneous. That was awesome. Thanks again, Jeff. Take care. Thanks. Sarah, you have to try it out. You're going to love it. I, I know you're a Gmail user. You'll love it. Well, you know what's funny is uh, sometimes I like to... Um, Try to to flex our our big uh, social hour power by saying, uh, "Can I get an invite to something that's maybe behind the scenes, something that you're working on, like Zobni's Gmail service, for example, before the show?" So I have something to talk. I mean, something sure. that I've I've tried out that that we can explain to folks. I didn't actually realize that um, that that it was in beta until it was too late, and then I thought, well, I don't want to put him on the spot. But he went ahead and just uh, just uh, you know offered up the code, so that was really awesome. Um, yeah, so if you if you get to Zobney's um, Gmail page, I know that they had a link in their blog. I'm not seeing it uh, right off of the homepage, but it is there. Believe me, I was I was just uh, checking it out this morning. You just put in um, your the email address that you want connected. Um, works for Google Apps as well. I know I use that for uh, for one of my domains, Amber. I don't know if you use Google Apps at all for any of your email accounts, but um, very helpful. Like my Sarah Lane, which is all kind of people I 
I, I don't know as much. Um, this would be really helpful, um, especially yeah. trying to find that person that you talked to once and you just don't remember what the context was or when it was or anything like that. Yeah, you'll you'll love it. You'll be a big fan in no time, I'm sure. It's well, a fun one. Well, that's great. Zobni.com. And again, I have to hand it to you because you're the one who uh, who introduced me to it. I don't know how you find all this stuff. Amber. Well, it's uh, it's pressure, Sarah. I don't find it on my own. It's just I know I have to write X number of articles a week, do X number of shows, and uh, always having to come up with new things. And I'm sure you feel the same way where every once in a while you just discover a gem. And for me, Zobni yeah. has been like that. You know, not every service is fantastic. It's kind of cool. But Zobni is something that I still use. And I still use, you know, a couple of months later. And that's to me is kind of uh, the best way to test if I think a service has uh, any type of longevity. And, and, and Zobni is up there. So... Uh, <laughs> I get pressured into trying all this stuff and uh, a few of them trickle to the top. So, well, you know, it's always, it's, it's always nice when, like you said, there are a lot of services that uh, for a living, we try out this stuff and, and there are so many services where I go, this is really cool, but am I going to use it on a daily basis? Very few end up being in that category and something that ends up being actually so helpful in order to do your work better. That uh, truly is a gem. Yeah, it truly is. So um, I'm a big fan, and uh, uh, you know, I'm using the Gmail plugin. I also have it on my BlackBerry, so that's kind of neat to have access to it there. I mean, just little things you think about. If someone emails me on my BlackBerry, and then all of a sudden I look through uh, and and see all of the contacts in Zobni, and then they may have their LinkedIn contact information feeding through there, and then all of a sudden I, I can have their phone number within my contacts, right? Yeah. So that's really helpful, and I can, you know, I, I I'm not going to manually go in and enter all this information for people, and yet I have it there. Or um, another way. I use it too in Gmail if I'm doing business with someone and uh, I'm in my Gmail account and I can see their most recent updates on some of their social networks. I can tell if, oh, I know they're away or they're busy. So I don't have to leave my inbox to go and check Twitter or, or LinkedIn. So just really, really handy. It just makes your inbox smarter. I think that's the simplest way to say. And a smarter inbox is a good inbox. want to remind everybody that we record the show live on Mondays. Uh, we're getting back into a regular routine. Every once in a while, either Amber and I have to do a show at a weird time. I I think next week we'll get into that uh, weird mode again because we're getting into Memorial Holiday Weekend, at least for the U.S. But normally we shoot the show at 11 a.m. Pacific on Mondays. That is 2 p.m. Eastern. Gosh, I don't know. Every week, every week you think it would would get easier. You can also see us online at twit.tv slash TSH. So if you miss the live show... Well, we'll miss you back, but don't worry because you won't miss anything good. In fact, uh, it's important to note that even though our live show is is kind of fun and you get to see a little bit more of the the uh, the raw show, our our finished show has things that I don't add into into the live version, like um, like URLs and 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 more information and pricing when applicable. You can download the show from our website. You can subscribe to the shows if you just don't even want to think about. When is that show on again? You've got a variety of options. Anybody who's familiar with Twit, we use all the same tools that they do for all the other shows. Um, we try to keep the show to an hour since it is called the social hour. Since <laughs> we go over, we haven't actually gone under yet. Maybe that will happen one day, Amber. But uh, in any <laughs> case, twit.tv slash TSH is the way to get a hold of us. And we're eight shows strong at this point. We're almost into the double digits. It's pretty good, Sarah. Yeah, I We're think on so. our way. We're on our way. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, we have uh, some great advertisers on the show, and uh, this one coming up is one of my favorites and yours too. Yeah, it's Squarespace. Anybody who's not familiar with Squarespace yet, you are missing out, folks, because Squarespace is the best way 
to publish a website, a blog, a photo gallery. I mean, there are so many different sorts of sites that you could put together. Um, and if you're, you know, if you're on the fence, maybe you've got something, you know, you've got a WordPress blog or, or maybe you're using TypePad and, and, or maybe you don't have a blog. Maybe you've never made one yet before and you think, well, you know, I, I just don't want to put a lot of effort into it or I'm not much of a designer or I'm a little, there's so many options and I just want to put together something simple or where I want it to look nice and I don't want to put that much effort into it, Squarespace is the place to go to publish something like this because whether you are already some sort of a design expert, a whiz, or if you know nothing about CSS like me, I mean, every time I try, I end up messing things up completely. Squarespace is the tool for you. Not only can you import uh, from previous blogs, like I mentioned, you know, WordPress is just one example. You could import your entire WordPress blog to Squarespace and just kind of try it out and see how things go because it's set up a lot differently. Their backend is is different than other blog engines. Um, they give you so much more uh, customizing capabilities. Um, I mean, even just uh, as simple as using um, a slider to to uh, to expand your site or just make it look different or change colors, this and that. Believe me, I've played around with Squarespace for years now and it's by far the most intuitive um, way to go. Uh, what you can do if you're like, well, this sounds great. You've talked about Squarespace before, but I'm just not sure if it's right for me. You can try out Squarespace for free for 14 days. Free. No credit card. You just sign up. It takes, it, it's, 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 pretty much instantaneous. Just check it out. Give it a whirl. See if it's right for you. By the way, um, they, they also have an iPhone and iPad app that I use religiously because I'm, you know, I'm not sitting at my computer as much as I was anymore, especially for blogging on the go. Such a good way to just kind of uh, get into your comments for a second, see if there's, you know, anything that you need to delete, you know, clear out spam if that, if you have a problem with that. I love their iPad app, especially because it gives you that nice screen real estate um, that's really important, especially when you're blogging. Um, love Squarespace. Again, they're our sponsor. We love them. They're a great fit for us. You have so many options when you want to put together a website. You know, if it's if it's Twitter plugins you want, or, or you may, maybe you're very active on Flickr, where you just want to write. You just want to write, and you want to link to your sources, um, throw up an image every now and then. Squarespace is, is the place to do it. And, uh, again, 14 days free if you want to check it out. And if you want to use squarespace.com slash social hour, that's our special <laughs> URL. Get- Sorry, Sarah, just laughing how you said slash. slash. Sarah, for people listening, Sarah has the hand movements too in the uh, live video feed. <laughs> I know, and I'm not sure. Let's see. Okay, so that actually looks like backslash. I meant forward slash. I don't say forward slash because I, I don't know about you, Amber, but when people say forward slash, I, I say to myself, that means slash, but um, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean. If it's a URL, you know that it's forward slash squarespace.com slash social hour, and you get an additional um, a discount off of the lifetime of your account. Uh, oh, they're, nice. They're good friends of us. We love them back, and we thank them so much for supporting us on the social hour. So it's just social hour. There's no the, right? Is that's, that that's right? Okay. Yeah, um, we're still we're still trying to figure out what uh, that we went through this on iPad today as well. Um, some of our um, our custom URLs with some of our sponsors started out with iPad, um, and we're sort of gradually trying to figure out what's what what makes the most sense for people to remember. So yes, yeah. Squarespace.com/slash social hour social hour that's pretty easy yeah you can't go wrong there all right sarah so uh, lots of news over this past week a really interesting story that i just read about this morning 
If anyone is a fan of uh, UFC, uh, the Ultimate Fighting Championship, you might be interested to know that some of their fighters are about to get paid to tweet. This is a really interesting idea. So it looks like what the organization behind UFC is planning to do is starting on June 1st, they're going to put all of their fighters into different categories, four categories to be precise, uh, based on their Twitter follower counts. Then after a few months, three fighters from each category will get a $5,000 bonus based on how many new followers followers they got and the biggest percentage of new followers gained and the most creative tweets. This will all be judged by UFC head uh, guy Dana White and uh, an interesting concept to get more people using Twitter. And at first when I saw this, I thought, hmm, getting paid to use Twitter, that's kind of weird. But then I thought about it again. I thought, you know what? A lot of people are truly just too busy to really put a ton of effort into their Twitter account. So if this is a case where maybe it encourages more interesting conversations and it's kind of competitive and fun, I think, uh, you know, it just might work. Yeah, it's weird because my first reaction was, wow, usually anybody who's involved in professional sports is not supposed to be uh, using Mm. social networks. And in fact, people have gotten fined in the past for tweeting something that was inappropriate or made it seem kind of insidery or that sort of thing. But I guess, and, and I have to admit, I'm not so familiar with the ultimate fighting championship. I know what it is, but I'm not watching on a regular basis. But... Really? If it's, if it's anything... Yeah, no, I, I gotta admit it. But if it's anything like... Oh, I don't know, WWE, which is the world wrestling sure. entertainment. Um, there is a lot of smack talk between fights or matches mm. that um, is part of the the fun, I guess, for fans. Um, I mean, anybody who's who's a fan, at least of wrestling, will tell you that that it's like, well, you know, whether it's always true and you know if these things are 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 fixed and that sort of thing it's like there is some theatrical presence that these guys bring to the table so that when they actually are fighting you've got a a bit of uh their personality that went into you know how, how they built themselves up so i wonder if ufc is saying to themselves you know this could be like this dramatic episode so if there's a month between the last time these two guys saw each other in the ring and um, you got to know both of them. And and obviously, the more followers they have, the, I guess, the more likely that people watch their next match. Sure. Then they end up getting ratings and support and probably advertising money. And it's an interesting approach. Yeah, no, it's definitely interesting. I had a chance to interview uh, a UFC champ, Georges St. Pierre, and I may sound like, oh, I'm really savvy. I understand the UFC, but I, I truly don't. I just had an opportunity to talk to him because he had built uh, a new app. He actually has his own app that's all about uh, martial arts and fighting and moves. And uh, it's kind of a, a fun little uh, game that people can download and, and play along with. So uh, it's interesting to see them be so progressive on the social front. And I, I, I think, you know, you know, paid to tweet as, as long as they're upfront about it and it's obvious and, and it seems like, like they said, they're having a little fun with it, with the competition. I think uh, it, it could be interesting to watch all of these uh, different uh, fighters uh, start to use some of these tools. Now, when I originally read this article, I didn't see it as, oh, the uh, the the uh, ultimate fighting championship folks who run the game want these guys to get a lot of followers so that they could um, do kind of promoted tweets. Do you think that that's what's going on behind the scenes that 
well, maybe somebody has 40,000 followers now, but when they get to 500,000, then sure. they're going to start talking about how much they like vitamin water or something like that. I think, I mean, I think they realize that uh, the UFC brand is obviously a really strong brand and they have a huge opportunity to push it even further through social media channels like Twitter and beyond. So um, it, it seems like it's kind of twofold. There's an opportunity for the players, for individual player fighters, sorry, I should say, uh, to really brand themselves, but then also a, a unique opportunity for the UFC to uh, build awareness around its own brand and and like you said maybe do deals with different uh, promotional products or who knows what will happen so they obviously see the value of it well you know a very different <laughs> on the other side of the spectrum obviously social media you know this sounds like uh, beyond all else it's promotional it's a little probably a little bit of fun you get to know your favorite fighters a little bit more uh, you know behind the scenes what are they what are they eating for lunch and that sort of thing not to overuse the whole what are you doing for lunch kind of thing on Twitter but but it's but on the other side of the spectrum obviously social media uh, we try to make sure that we're promoting tools and and meaningful discussions as much as we're promoting sort of the fun side of it. And actually, our friend Matthew Ingram was the first one who turned me on to um, a website I'd never heard before, uh, heard of before called crowdvoice.org, which is a really interesting way uh, that uh, some, it's a uh, nonprofit group, and I believe they're based in Bahrain, but are um, uh, a volunteer network all over the Middle East mm-hmm. that are... Um, pretty much pulling in stories of protests from around the world. Really, obviously, the Middle East has gotten a lot of, you know, a lot of press and a lot of attention because just there's so much activity in that space there now. But this is a way to um, take a look at everything that people are talking about um, as it relates to uh, uprisings, protests, um, government issues. I mean, this is really heavy stuff, but... I find this, uh, it's fascinating. And it's, wow, it is, yeah. And it's a way that, I, you know, I, I know that a lot of folks have gotten used to following, you know, Andy Carvin, who's um, who's the N- NPR correspondent who's been um, kind of dedicating his life really to to following um, all of uh, all of this type of news on Twitter and tweeting out and retweeting and sharing links and that sort of thing. This gives... Uh, that I guess more context really because these are a lot of the sources that he's sharing with folks and and I'm just using his him as an example obviously a lot of people are doing this sort of thing on Twitter but um, you know for example if I were to click on uh, well this is a, this is a French link so I'm not going to be able to understand it but um, as you can see there there is content coming in from uh, from all over this is uh, something going on in Casablanca for example. Um, obviously in Morocco, and you can get a little bit more information on what's going on in the world because I think that, um, I I don't know about you, Amber, but for me, I hear about all of this stuff. Um, It can be very overwhelming. Mm. I hope that I'm reading the right, uh, you know, there's so many, um, especially with citizen journalism and and Mm. where are the sources and and can this stuff, um, can we confirm that this happened and there's videos being shot all over the place that uh, the more that these can be concentrated into one area with context, the more helpful for me. 
Yeah, this is, I'm just looking to the site and I've never heard of it or I had never heard of it before. And I can't believe what a valuable resource to just uh, dig up information about protests all over the world. And it's fantastic. I mean, just a wealth of content. Yeah. And it's worth noting that, I mean, this isn't just a place to learn about, uh, you know, who's protesting around the world. What if you had shot a video that you thought was very relevant and crowdvoice.org could could do something with it? You can sign up uh, to join the network. You can post uh, links videos, photos. You can search for particular places. If you've heard, you know, I, I, I heard a report from somebody in Syria. I'd like to know more about this. I'd like to see if anyone's backing up the story that I heard or just more context on, on, on something that's going on there. You can search for a particular country or certain keywords, that sort of thing. So I really like stuff like crowd voice. It gives me, it gives me hope that, um, social media, does do a lot of good, um, and, mm-hmm. and certainly even if even if some of this stuff is is uh, could be considered biased or just one person's opinion, or you, you um, there are obviously so many different arguments that people can make about why people do the things that you do. Mm-hmm. Having the more information in general, I think, is better so that we can draw our, our own conclusions of what's actually going on. Yeah. I mean, just being able to dig through information. I mean, that's what I love just on your own time, being able to go as deep as you want. You know, it's not just like a a, a news headline that's coming across on CNN that's 30 seconds long or a little news ticker on the bottom of a a TV news program. So it's nice to be able to just, you know, absorb more information on your own time. So a really, really neat resource. Agreed. All right, Amber, we got an email. We got more than I one, know. but we, we did looking. get, we got one particular email from Len Sipes. Um, it's written into the show before. Good to see you, Len. I think a couple other shows as well. Uh, says, hi, ladies, love the show. The question remains as to the real power of social media to drive traffic when compared to traditional website strategies. We gush over the power of Facebook and Twitter, but as to actually driving traffic numbers, are they really that relevant? And it's funny that Len asked this because uh, there have been some rumblings about uh, how Twitter and Facebook aren't really driving traffic numbers as much as you may think. In fact, there was a um, a study done recently by uh, something called the Pew Research Center's Project for Excellence in Journalism. Uh, we first talked about it um, on TNT last week, and uh, PBS had written it up. Um, this is a PBS link that I originally saw this on that claimed uh, the Drudge Report, uh, which most people are familiar with, uh, news source, is responsible for the most amount of direct traffic to websites behind Google search. Wow. I know. (gasps) That's so interesting. Well, I think, I mean, just to answer this question, I mean, I think, you know, obviously in some cases, Twitter and Facebook aren't going to make a, a massive difference in how much social media is successful for you, especially if you don't use them well. But there are plenty of examples of social media done right that has not only increased awareness about certain companies or certain brands, but has also helped people to drive their revenue uh, up. So a perfect example, Sarah, you know, the Willow Blend campaign that was done by Blend Tech. They make those really high-end blenders that will blend pretty much anything. Well, a few years ago, they started to put those YouTube videos online. This was part of their social media efforts. They shot video of the founder of the company blending everything from iPhones to uh, uh, other gadgets and the list goes on and on. And I interviewed uh, the marketing director from 
Blendtec. And he told me within six months of these videos going viral and that campaign becoming so successful, there was actually uh, such a huge increase in sales at the company. Um, there were literally like millions and millions and millions of dollars that had come into Blendtec based on people just learning about the blenders because of those videos. So um, I think it was, let me look at the exact stat. I'll, I'll dig it up in a second. But um, there's a perfect example of how social media when done well, when you have an actual campaign, uh, has it really actually helps. I think it was a 500% increase in sales over six months, if wow. I'm right. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly, I mean, we can think of, I'm sure, many examples of of social networking done well, as you say, that drives many, many, many mm. eyeball, eyeballs, views, return visits um, to a variety of places. What I thought was interesting about the Drudge Report, and by the way, uh, after this this particular study came out. I mean, there's all sorts of talk online about what is it about the Drudge Report that's so powerful? I mean, there, you know, it's interesting because the Drudge Report is, it's a source for news. It happens to, to, to slant conservative versus liberal. So there are people who love the Drudge Report. There are people who hate it and there are people, you know, anywhere in between. So, you know, that aside, the content aside, it's like, what is the structure of the site that makes it so powerful? Well, there's a few things about the Drudge Report that are interesting. I mean, first of all, it's been around for, I think, almost 15 years in internet time. That's a very successful run. Um, the Drudge Report is also, it's it's unique because anybody who's familiar with it knows it's very bare bones. You go to the Drudge Report and there are um, uh, minimal images um, there are images, but mostly it's just links to a variety of topics, news mm-hmm. sources from all over the world about all sorts of stuff. Now you can say, well, that's kind of, I mean, that's, it's sort of backward. And maybe at the time that the Drudge Report started online, that was the basic way to share news and the capabilities didn't really go too much further. Obviously now most news sources um, have blurbs or they write up their own um, kind of rehash of what an original news story was. And the idea is to get somebody onto your site and to keep them there because you're probably running your own advertising and you don't want them to just bounce off to the original news source and not come back. Mm-hmm. The idea is to keep them in, you know, into your franchise. Well, the Drudge Report doesn't really have anything to keep you there. I mean, you're, you see a link, you think you might want to read the story and you're off and, uh, and reading it at, at the original source. So, you know, it might be something uh, to say about keeping things simple. And yeah, I mean, I, I'm not really sure what their advertising model is. I assume it's successful because they've been around for so long. But maybe they're, maybe they, um, more weight is given to uh, the influential aspect of the Drudge Report from the folks, obviously Matt Drudge and, and whoever he has working with him behind the scenes, um, to be able to say, yeah, I mean, we will drive almost as much traffic as Google and certainly more than anybody who tweets about this or, or you know, the millions of Facebook folks who may have, have shared this link. We have all that power. It's it's pretty interesting claim. Yeah, it definitely is. It's, uh, you know, and I, I think it's one of those things, like not everything is going to work right for everybody. You know, you have, you have to kind of have a combination of different things. Like I would say if, if a company came to me and said, oh, we're just going to do social media. We don't even care about our, our actual on our company website, I would say that's not a great approach. So you really want to try to have a combination of a bunch of different things and just kind of attack things on on different levels. Uh, Sarah, I know we got a voicemail. I love when we get voicemails from, from our uh, listeners and our viewers. It's always interesting to actually hear people's voices. Yes, absolutely. Let's 
play <laughs> the voicemail. And this is from, oh gosh, who is this? Will from, from Georgia. Yes, Will from Georgia had, um, he, he had something to say about our, our conversation from last week about who is and who isn't a journalist. Oh, interesting. Let's listen. Hello, ladies. This is Will from Lawrenceville, Georgia, calling in regards to the conversation you ladies had about um, whether or not you're a journalist because you put your news up on the blog instead of having a camera in front of you or working for someone else. I think that the question has always been there but never been asked until recently because there's so many more people putting out news, where before you either got your news from the newspaper or you got your news from the radio or you got your news from television. But now that anyone can put out news, that question is being asked, what is what makes journalists a journalist? And I think my opinion that what makes a journalist, quote, a journalist is whether or not you work for someone else. Hmm. Whether or not you work for someone else. Okay. I, I get I get what Will is saying because he's kind of saying, listen, eh, anybody can 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 build a drudge report, for example, you know, or put out a blog mm-hmm. or say something on Twitter or or say, ah, you know, I've got news and here's what it is. And so it's like, well, we can't all be journalists, but at the same time, to say that you are a journalist as defined by working for someone else, that means that whoever hired you or, or whatever entity you work under, they defined you as a journalist. And I don't know if you need that these days either. Amber, what do you think? Yeah, I'm not sure because then you get you know, you get so many amazing freelance journalists out there who sometimes sure they are hired by another organization. Sometimes they just go out. I'm thinking of a lot of the the um, photojournalists that go into war torn territory, and uh, you know some of them end up selling their pictures back to another organization. So those are some of the bravest journalists that we have right now in the world. And so I think it's it's hard to define a journalist just based on the fact that someone else is kind of employing them because in many cases they don't necessarily get um, that. Uh, that money coming in or they don't get they don't have that relationship until they kind of produce something so I, I think that um, I get his point but I think um, you know it's still a little fuzzy for me yeah I agree I agree I I, I think if um, and I don't even know if I consider myself a journalist I, sometimes I do I mean I work in the journalism field uh, tech journalism certainly um, but I almost kind of go hey if 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 you like what I have to say and, and, and we have a lot in common, then great. You know, you'll, you'll want to consume the content that I put out there uh, rather than saying I am a journalist, yes or no kind of thing. But I think that there are so many talented people out there who can certainly fall into the journalism category that may not work for CBS or, or Drudge Report or, uh, I don't, you know, any other of the, of, of the many journalism entities that I could list. Um, it doesn't mean they're they're not just because they're freelance or or they work independently. Um, but yeah, there 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 is a line, um, and I guess mm-hmm. we're still c- kind of trying to traverse that path. And I think 
I think, you know, in this day and age, there are so many people and myself included uh, who have kind of different jobs. And sometimes I put my journalist hat on when I'm writing for the Globe Mail, our national newspaper. Mm -hmm. And then there are some times where I'm doing advertorial work where someone has hired me to create content and it's a brand, like a car brand, for example, an automaker who's hired me to do that type of work. Well, I'm not a journalist in that capacity, but I may be a journalist depending on other type of work, another type of work that I'm doing. So I think we also live in this world where lots of people have different jobs. Yeah, absolutely agree. If you want to call us like Will did, we love to hear from you. It's a lot of fun. 2626 Social is our Google voice number. You'll have to figure out what the S O C I A L is in numerical terms because I don't have that memorized yet. But 2626 <laughs> Social is our phone number. Whoa, I'm breaking Leo's desk. <laughs> oh, <laughs> left, no. Left you got to right. move. It's time to move to the new studio oh, now. Oh, my gosh. You know, it's so funny. Sometimes he'll come in here and go, who was in here last? Because things are not the way that I want them to be. And it's like, I hope it wasn't me. I actually, oh, yeah. I don't I'm touch sure. much. I don't touch much in here. I just try not to break anything. But uh, yes, 2626 Social is how you how you can call us. Of course, you can write us. Or you can send us a video. Videos are cool. Um, if you mm. want to send us a video, anything that you can link to, to, to link to the video... YouTube, Vimeo, anywhere that you can host the video and then send us a link so that we don't have to download a video, that would be great. Keep in mind that anything audio, video, try to keep it to 30 seconds or less. It makes it a lot easier for us to roll into the show. And of course, you can email us. And that can be any length at all. We just might not read the whole thing if it's like, you know, 1,200 words at the social hour at twit.tv. Amber, what's the last movie you saw and did you like it? Oh, Sarah, that's a really good question. <laughs> um, oh, I can't even remember the last movie I saw. Well, I really wanted to see Blade Runner, which was playing on the weekend and uh, I didn't get a chance to watch it, but uh, that would probably, um, that's probably on the top of my list of a movie that I need to watch again. Well, you know, no, uh, one of the one of the very, very good avenues for watching Blade Runner uh, on your couch your bed, on the floor, in your kitchen, or anywhere that's just the most comfortable for you is Netflix. Netflix is a sponsor of The Social Hour. We love Netflix, and we're so happy that we have a partnership with them because it is the best way to instantly stream content to your Mac, or your PC, or your Xbox, or or a Netflix-enabled TV, or get DVDs in the mail, just delivered to your to your mailbox. That's how my mom prefers to do it because she likes uh, she likes the the selection of the DVDs, and she's kind of old school. She's got this DVD player she wants to use, but I prefer streaming because I want to just press a couple buttons, look through my queue, and figure out what I want to watch. Press play and instantly stream. Uh, within minutes, really. And good streaming, too. Great quality. I, you know, I don't have buffer issues. I love Netflix. The whole idea behind Netflix, if you're not familiar with it, is you sign up for an account. Very easy. And and by the way, you can you can uh, get 30 days free for uh, just, just signing up. So if you haven't tried Netflix before, 30 days free is a great, great reason to try it out now. Sign up. You have an account, and then you just start filling your queue with the kind of movies that you want to watch. And it's really simple. What's the what's at the top of your queue is what you'll watch next. Or if you want to just uh, to go through your your streaming queue, uh, your streaming Netflix options list, and just pick a movie out of thin air, like Blade Runner. Amber wants to watch Blade Runner, no problem. <laughs> then you just say, I want to stream this. And you've got an account with Netflix and you can stream it instantly. You can rearrange your queue. Uh, 
Ah, you can rearrange somebody else's queue if you don't like what their next movie choice is going to be and you know that you have to house it for them next week. And these are uh, new releases, old classics, um, maybe a, you know, a, um, a TV series that you never watched the first time around. I know Tom and Eileen are going through the Buffy series again. I've actually never watched Buffy uh, besides uh, hitting it on you know, the WB every once in a while back in the day when, when it was actually on the air. And I know so many people who love it as a cult classic that I'm starting to think, hey, maybe I should watch the Buffy series. It would take a while. I mean, I don't know how many seasons there were. <laughs> Quite a few. Got some catch up to do, I think, Sarah. Yeah, exactly. But Netflix.com slash twit is the URL. That way, you know, you get you get your 30 days free in any case. That's just what Netflix does for everybody because they want people to understand that it's a great service. And so they, they want you to get familiar with how it works. But if you go to Netflix.com slash twit, then they know that you came through us. And then they'll say, thank you, the social hour, and we'll feel good about ourselves. And uh, it's a great partnership. Netflix.com slash twit. You'll love it. You'll never go back to the old way of doing movies. If you're not using Netflix, I promise whatever you're doing now will seem archaic once you uh, have an account with them. And we thank them so much for sponsoring this episode of The Social Hour. All right, Sarah, we have one of the best parts of the show. This is Rad or Fad. This is where we uh, tackle a new, new service or an existing service that's been around for a while and figure out if it is worth trying out. I have not heard of this one. You have added it to our list. It's called Milkshake. Of course, there's no I or no A. Yes, it's Milkshake uh, without the vowels because, you know, that's the, it's the cool thing that people are doing and, and the only domains that are free anymore. Yeah, so Milkshake came across my radar. Um... Oh, I don't know, a few months ago, and it was in, I think, private beta. I can't remember who introduced me to it, but I hadn't talked about it because I didn't really get it. And I think that the reason I didn't understand what was going on was because not enough folks were using it. And Milkshake mm-hmm. really, really thrives on having a good network. Uh, obviously, all social networks do, but this particularly because it's all image-based. So when you think of like, image sharing services, something like 4chan sometimes comes to mind for me where you go, oh yeah, it's kind of the wild west of images. And uh, and um, very often they are not safe for work or somehow uh, provoking and not for everybody. Milkshake is kind of, well, it, it actually really isn't anything like 4chan because not only does it not, uh, you know, look like a, a, a 4chan where it's just, you know, kind of a a thread with people sharing images. It looks really nice, but um, it's more social network based. So for example, this is a picture um, uh, that uh, Ted Reingold, who's a friend of mine, he's the guy that uh, founded Dogster, um, which actually just sold Dogster and Catster. So Ted Reingold is a friend of mine and he's my friend on Milkshake and he shared this really cute picture of Steve Martin uh, many years ago, ironing a cat. Um, and you know, it's just kind of a silly picture. So at this point I could, uh, you know, here's the URL that I could share. Um, I can say, uh, you know, that I like it, which I do. Um, I can save the image. Um, that iron's not on, is it Sarah? I don't think so. Steve would not do something like that. No, um, there's also a Chrome, Firefox, and Safari plugins, and this is actually where this gets really helpful. So, for example, if I wanted to, um, if I wanted to share this image from within Milkshake, I wouldn't really need to to right click and save. But let's say that this image I found somewhere else on the internet, just anywhere, you know, on on Tumblr or just uh, you know Buzzfeed or whatever, and I wanted to share this image on Milkshake, um, here's my Chrome extension that I've already 
that I've already installed beforehand. If I save image, and that's, again, just by right-clicking, this is, you know, it's kind of like my little uh, bookmarklet. So I can save any image on the internet to Milkshake immediately and share it with the folks that are following me. Um, Gina Trapani is actually one of my friends. She has a lot of a lot of funny stuff. And what I can do is I can choose a shake. So I have friend shake. So that it's all of the, the images. I'm not really sure what, what, what shake means. I guess it's just a way to say something besides images. Or my shake. These are the things that I've shared. I haven't shared much. Shared a picture myself once I cut bangs last year. And mm-hmm. I realized, well, maybe that's... It didn't really get very many views and didn't get any likes. So I think I, I learned pretty quickly that it's not really about sharing pictures of yourself or other things that are necessarily um, of high quality or that you're proud of. It's more kind of the zany stuff. So this is something that I I found um, from a user called Drew Toothpaste. Again, well, I'm, I'm a cat person, so my stuff always ends up being about cats. But this is like <laughs> his funny picture of a cat in an Abercrombie bag that I thought was cute. So I ended up sharing it, and I and I think I uh, I tweeted it out to Twitter, which obviously Milkshake uh, lets you do as well. Your conversations tab is just anything that you've commented on. So there's definitely a you know it's a it's it's instigating the sharing of images and also having conversations around them. But what's interesting about it is, and this is where, you know, it kind of threw me for a loop at first, but I think I'm started, starting to get the point of it because there's so many images that we all share online that, like, you look at for two seconds, like Steve Martin ironing a cat. Ha ha, that's funny. Oh, yeah, I'll share that with my milkshake friends. And you don't really need to think about it all that much more. It's not necessarily some, uh, you know, beautiful work of photography. It's just one of those Internet things uh, mm-hmm. because milkshake actually won't let you share any file it supports a variety of file types but it won't share uh let you share a file that's over three megabytes um and at first i was like well three megabytes i mean everything i share on Flickr is at least three megabytes because i only want to share quality stuff so that is really where this is not a replacement for something like Flickr. it's a whole different kind of sharing mechanism this is not about high quality let's see this full size it's more about this is a you know, it doesn't have to be just funny, but this is an image that, you know, we can have a little conversation between uh, our group of friends or you might want to share this on Twitter or, you know, be the hero for the day or get a chuckle out of it kind of a thing. Very cool. So, Sarah, is it rad or fad? I think it's totally rad. Yes. I mean, if, if I haven't made it clear already, I it took me a while again to 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 get the point of Milkshake. And by the way, it's now open to the public. So it's no longer in closed private beta as far as I can, as far as I can see, um, because I, I've seen a lot of folks talking about it online recently. And that's why I went, wait a second. What is this service? I know this service. Yeah, so this is totally rad, I think. I love stuff like this. I mean, okay, so Mayor Mike introduces the plan. This is not a funny picture, but it's an interesting picture. Um, And, you know, shared by one of my friends. And Laughing Squid just shared uh, the error page for um, for the gadget team, which is kind of funny. And and so on and so forth. So you get, uh, it's it's kind of like, um, it almost has more of a Tumblr quality because Tumblr is so focused on images, at least a lot of the people that I follow. Um, yeah, I think it's really rad. It's um, It looks nice, works well. The point seems to be pretty simple. And and yeah, this is um, this is, uh, this is rad. All right. And I think you should cool. sign up for it immediately, Amber. I love that. I like the name. I think I'm going to have to. <laughs> yes. Does it, does it remind you of that name. milkshake song? 
I know. You know what? As soon as I saw it, I kept, that song is in my head and it just would not go away, Sarah. I know. I've got to try to get rid of it. But it looks like a fun little tool. And uh, I love all these different photo sharing uh, services out there. There's just so many, you know, that's the problem, right? It's, it's hard to, you know, that's, it's hard to keep up with them. Mom. That's the only thing that makes me say, well, you know, these are all kind of fatty because mm-hmm. it's the whole sharing of stuff that... Um, the degree of interest and the stain power just totally varies person to person, but it's that simple, quick, casual sharing of images, um, specifically on Milkshake. I don't, I don't think they, 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 they don't support video capability now. Maybe in the future they will. I kind of hope they keep it to images, though. By the way, anyone who's not watching, it's mlkshk.com for all of our audio listeners. No vowels, but it can still be kind of confusing. So Milkshake without any of those vowels, M-L-K-S-H-K. Yeah, I think it's rad. Um, Anything that gives me just a a little bit of a window into what some of my internet friends specifically, real friends too, but internet friends are looking at and liking or getting a little something out of um, where it's easy for me to share it, pass it along, or just kind of say, thumbs up, Ted, for that Steve Martin picture. I like stuff like that because it's kind of just makes me feel like I'm participating. Sarah, I think I have a, for next week, I uh, just got an invite to a new service. And you know, when these start coming, you kind of think, okay, well, this is going to be the, the next trend or the next thing that people are latching onto. It's to a service called Namesake. And uh, I don't know if you've tried it yet, but for no. next week, we're going to determine if this is rat or fat. Cool. I will give it a try for the week. I will uh, join my friend on here and uh, see how I like it and see if it, it makes it into the rad category. Cool. Namesake. If you got anybody out there knows anything about namesake and has an opinion, you can write us. In the meantime, we'll be back here. Well, next week, will we be back here same yep. time, same place? Oh, yeah, we're yep, doing next two shows. Monday, we're good. Yeah, we're doing two shows next week, Monday and Friday, but we'll talk about that next Monday. So, yeah, Amber, I'll see you at uh, 2 p.m. your time, 11 a.m. my time, next Monday for the social hour. And for everybody who watched us live, thanks so much. Anybody who's watching us after the fact, thanks so much for downloading the show and hope you're subscribing. And uh, remember to give us feedback so we can improve the show and uh, make it the show that you want to watch. Amber, have a great day in Toronto. You have a great time out in, at West, Sarah, and I'll uh, see you hopefully out there next month. All right. Thanks, everybody. I'll talk to you soon. That's it Bye. for the social hour. See you later. Bye-bye.